What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the same team. I am your host, Daniel Trainer. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for listening. On today's show, oh boy, we have a doozy. We have a professional wrestler on the show, a professional wrestler who just happens to be gay. And let me tell you, as a lifelong, diehard pro wrestling fan, it was a treat. It was an honor. Mike Perro, a.k.a. Perro, to wrestling fans. He and I talked for about two and a half hours. Uh, it, was a, it was a great conversation. I had so many questions for him. We dove into so much stuff. So you'll see uh, today's episode is part one because we're doing two parts. He and I chatted about so much, so much different stuff that I decided it was going to be a two-parter. So today is part one. And it was a really interesting, fascinating conversation. And I'm hoping that it's interesting for people who don't really know that much about pro wrestling too. I think if you're a pro wrestling fan, the stuff that he and I chatted about is going to be extra interesting. But even if you don't love pro wrestling, I think there's a lot to get into here. It was a really wide-ranging conversation. Uh, Today's episode, part one... We get into wrestling a little bit, but really we sort of start talking about his background as a collegiate football player. Every sport besides wrestling, really, we talk about for the first part of the episode. Uh, And then we get into wrestling. We get into the culture of wrestling now, what it's like being a gay professional wrestler in today's climate, in today's independent wrestling scene. If you're not a wrestling fan, we start talking in this episode near the tail end about some guys who you probably aren't that familiar with. Uh, and if you aren't, look them up because there's a lot of great stuff happening in independent professional wrestling, a lot of stuff that'll blow your mind. So we mentioned some names that if you're not a pro wrestling fanatic, if you're just a WWE fan or if you're not a wrestling fan at all, you won't know. But hopefully you'll learn those names and you'll look up a lot of the stuff that they're doing because there's so much interesting stuff happening in pro wrestling right now. He and I get into it a lot in this interview and and even in part two, which is going to come out later this week. You'll hear us talk about a lot of it. It's such an interesting time for professional wrestling. Uh, It's progressive. It's diverse. And there's a lot to be excited about. So hopefully you'll come along for the ride. The first part ends here with us talking about Finn Balor. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with Finn Balor, Finn Balor is in WWE now, one of the biggest names in WWE at WrestleMania this past year, WrestleMania, which is uh, WWE's biggest event. It's the biggest event in all of wrestling. Finn Balor came out uh, in a rainbow shirt, in rainbow tights, surrounded by the LGBTQ community of New Orleans, which is where the event was happening, and it was a milestone moment. So the episode will end with uh, he and I chatting about what that meant, how we felt when we saw Finn do that, and then uh, the second episode, which will come out later this week, will start with the two of us continuing to talk about Finn. For anybody who knows me even a little bit, uh, I love Finn Balor, so I had to stretch Finn out uh, to at least two episodes. Sue me. So thank you very much for listening. Without any further ado, we're going to get into it. Like I said, a lot of wrestling talk, but I think it's good. I think it's interesting. And I think even if you're not a wrestling fan, there's a lot to sink your teeth into here. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Mike Perro. I'm so excited to have you on because I've been a diehard, lifelong professional wrestling fan, and you were the first wrestler I've had on the podcast, so I feel like I have about 8 million questions for you. Um, So uh, I'm very excited. Well, hopefully I can answer all the 8 million questions. Yeah, yeah. I hope you've cleared your schedule. Uh, Question one. Uh, No. Uh, Well, if it's cool with you, I'd love to sort of talk about your background a little bit before we get into all the wrestling stuff. Um, Can you just talk about a little bit where you grew up and, and what that was like for you? Uh, I grew up in a, a, a little town outside of Albany, New York, called Troy, New York. It is the home of Uncle Sam. A little bit of information for you wow, if you ever wow, have a wow. trivia question. USA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you would think you would have like a giant monument uh, at his, his gravestone. It's not. It's just a regular soldier's grave. Well, that's uh, upsetting. Yeah. 
yeah, it's crazy. I, I, everybody goes and visits it, visits it, and I'm like, I always thought it would be bigger. Is it weird uh, that I didn't really know that Uncle Sam was a real person? <laughs> yes, uh, he was. Uh, he was a meat packer, actually, oh. uh, and they used his likeness um, to design the Uncle Sam poster. Oh, okay. The, okay, that makes sense now. That makes sense. Yes. So, yes. But he is from Troy, New York. Wow. Uh, it's also the first city to put collars on shirts. Whoa. Yeah. This place it, does it all. That's why it's called the Collar City. The Collar um, City. Wow. I had no idea. Now, every time I, I flip down my collar, I'll think of your hometown. Prior to that, apparently people just did not wear collars on their shirts. <laughs> wow. um, they weren't attached to shirts. Wow. The innovation. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in a small town, um, you know, middle-class family. My dad is a police officer. My mom is a school teacher. Well, they're both retired. I evolved at Pop Warner because I was terrible at basketball, and they <laughs> told my parents that I was too aggressive to play basketball. Really? Yeah. Uh, what, would I, you, what would you do? I would take the ball from the other kid. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, apparently, you're, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, I, I would, think that's frowned upon. Yeah, I would... I, so I would just grab the ball from the other kid and, you know, try to, uh, I wasn't a very, I wasn't a very good basketball player. Yeah. How uh, old were you when you were doing this? Uh, I was about, uh, second and third grade. You know, okay. I did it up till fourth and then they're just like, no, literally <laughs> they, they told, it's, it's the CYO program. And, uh, they told my parents, uh, basketball is just not for him. <laughs> <laughs> you have know, to find something so, else for him to funnel this energy into. Yeah. Uh, so I actually, how I ended up playing football was uh, in second grade, they came to my school to talk about uh, the football program. And I went home and I and I was like, I really want to play football. And my mom's like, no. <laughs> Flash forward to what I do now. She, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I was, I was going to say, if she was worried about you playing football in the second grade, I can only imagine yeah, her yeah, reaction yeah. to what you're doing now. So I, I ended up playing, and uh, my family to this day is still involved in Pop Warner, and they have no kids involved. You know, really? Wow. The high, yeah, the the my family's very big in volunteer work and and youth sports. Uh, even though my parents were not athletic whatsoever, they uh, are very big on giving back to the community. You know, That's they awesome. try to yeah, they try to instill that in me, my sister, and brother. Do and they still so, do they still live there? They still live in uh, upstate New York. Yes, okay. my si- my sister and her husband, and now now they have two grandkids. So they're they're all about the grandkids right now. But wow. yeah, they they live in that area. My little brother is a baseball coach uh, at the University of Bridgeport. Cool. Uh, yeah, we're all we're still involved in sports. That's really cool. Um, they uh, from that time then from Pop Warner, I ended up playing football in high school. Um, did baseball, but I was a terrible baseball player. Uh, but I just enjoyed baseball. My sister was actually the better baseball player. Really? She played. She played up until she was 16 years old. She never played softball. She played baseball. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, she just didn't like softball. She thought it was too easy. I guess I don't know. <laughs> hey, good for her. <laughs> yeah, so she wanted to play baseball with. Well, we're two years apart, so we had all the same friends. Uh-huh. So she was. Uh, growing up, she was more of a tomboy. Yeah. So she wanted to do what the guys did, except for football. She always wanted to do cheerleading. She oh, really go. enjoyed you. That's cool. Yeah. So but from a, she, just a family of sports fanatics. Which is funny because my parents aren't sports fanatics whatsoever. Yeah. How that? Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, I, I assume because of that, you're not growing up in a household where like sports are on TV all the time. How how did that happen? Where you guys just fell into all this? Uh. Well, it was. It, I don't know. It. it it's funny because. Me, my, uh, my fiance always jokes that me, my brother, and my sister have total alpha personalities. We're we're very much want to be involved in things and, and very just it's our personalities. And he always jokes. He's like, because our parents aren't like that. Like, yeah. And he's like, we're either all kidnapped or something from another <laughs> family, even though we all look alike. Yeah. Um, but so. I got into sports first and then my sister wanted to do because we're two years apart. So she usually did everything that I was doing. So when I was playing football, she was cheerleading for me. When I was playing baseball, she wanted to be on my baseball team. When I was, when I was playing basketball, she wanted to play basketball with the guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
but she was just always wanted to compete with me. Uh, my little brothers were seven years apart, so he never really competed with me. But he always kind of like looked up to me, so he always kind of wanted to do the same sports I did. Yeah. But just do them, just do them better, so he could say he did them better, because that's <laughs> right. his per- that, that's his personality. Yeah. He, he 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 likes he likes competition. Yeah. So and, how and how long did you play football then? I played football all through college. Uh, I played it from the time I was in second grade until uh, I graduated college. Where did you go to college? Uh, originally I went to community college for two years and then, uh, I used up my eligibility at coastal Carolina university. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I stuck with football through the whole thing. Um, I just, I, I just enjoy football. Football is like one of those things. Like I always say that you can watch, you know, it's, you have, you have to be a basketball fan to watch a basketball game. Like you really do. Like you have to enjoy basketball to watch it. You know, you have to, to for soccer, soccer is like a, I, I say it's a very millennial sport because it's a lot of young people drinking. But I feel like <laughs> nobody's watching the game. I know. All. Well, it's like, like I keep trying to get myself into the, I'm not like a soccer guy really at all, but I keep trying to get myself into the World Cup just because I feel like I should. And like all of my friends are watching it and trying to get me into it. I just, I don't know, for some reason there's been this wall up. I just haven't been able to really connect with it. But the only I, time that I had fun watching is when I went to the bar at like eight in the morning on a Saturday to watch. And I was like, this is great. I could do exactly. So if you're drinking and having a good time, it's it's an amazing time. It's like kind of like hockey. You know, hockey you go to drink. Like soccer, soccer is like those things where it's like for the first ninety minutes, just wind sprints. It's like <laughs> right. it's very upsetting. They get the ball all the way down there, just kicks it all the way back. It, for me, football was always like there's a strategy to this. There's a there's like it, there's always like action, and I think it gives. Everybody always like, oh, well, there's 30 seconds rest between plays and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, because it gives the fan the opportunity to digest what just happened the play before. Right. Of like, other sports don't have that, you know, and baseball is just monotonous, you know, way, way too long. And it's like, hey, we were America's pastime. Remember us? And that's how <laughs> I feel baseball is. They're like, we're still here. It's like your great great grandfather just showing up. You're like, we're we're, we're here, guys. I know. Like, I was I was watching a baseball game the other day on ESPN, and the the announcers were sort of talking about exactly what you're saying. They were acknowledging the fact that like Major League Baseball has fallen so far behind the NBA and the NFL just in terms of like fan accessibility and sort of adapting to the modern times. Like they were they were sort of talking about the home run derby and saying how these weird ways that they pick the guys that make it. They're like, if this was the NBA, it would be all of the top guys. It would be marketed better. And they were sort of, it was interesting to listen to them sort of rag on the sport that they were talking about, because it does feel like baseball has kind of taken a back seat and become kind of less cool over the past well, number of years. Can you name top players? You really can. Yeah. Like, like football, you can name a whole bunch of top players. Football does an amazing job of staying relevant. Like, and a lot to do, and I, I, I'm a huge Cowboy fan, and a lot to do with that is Jerry Jones. You know, Jerry Jones turned it into a spectacle. He, when he bought that team, he decided to make this a business. Prior to that, football was the fourth sport. You know, it was even behind hockey. Well, it's, know, in, it's like, interesting, too. Like, watching a football game on TV is such a great experience now. You know, it's like there have been times when I've thought about maybe going to a game and then realized that I could just sit on my couch and the viewing experience watching at home is so insane and so great. It's almost not worth the trouble going. I mean, it's just like the whole production value of the NFL is just really, you know, excellent. Well, well I'll say this, though. If you ever get a chance to go, go to a college game. Oh yeah, no, college, I've been. I mean, yeah, I mean, I love a college. I, a college game is a, how I relate it. Is college? You're not going to see. College is where the guys are still trying. They're they're not getting paid, and they want to make their dream come true. So they're going all out every play in the NFL and in major league sports. You don't really get that. You get a lot of players these days taking a lot of time off because there's a lot of money involved. Like you know. This player's sitting today because he's worth $170 million and we need him 10 games from now. Yeah. Well, that does the fan no good. But in college, you're playing for the pride of your college. And the fan base is so electric that it gets you into it. So, 
like a college football game is a unique experience. There's music. It's loud. You know, it's not as exciting to watch on TV as it is the NFL because the NFL is more perfection. You know, these yeah. are the best players in the world where you're going to see a lot of mistakes because these are college. These are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. You know, these aren't adults out there. These these are kids that make mistakes. So that's what makes college football fun. Yeah. But I, mean, I, yeah, I, I learned I, that by doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love college football. I mean, I, I went to Michigan State and had I worked the athletic department when I was there for three years, but I, I've gone back. So I worked all the games, but I've been to I've been to countless football games going back to East Lansing, back to Michigan State to watch games there. And I've been to college games elsewhere. It's, it's such a unique experience. I mean, the tailgating, the you know, the music, the, just the buzz in the air. There's something about it that is so wholly unique and so great. I mean, college football is just it's just the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a bigger college football fan than I am the NFL. Well, that's funny because growing up, I was not a college football fan whatsoever. You know, we in upstate New York, they focus on baseball and basketball. Right. You know, th- those are the sports. You know, we have all the academies up there for basketball. You know, these guys are going the NBA sort of thing. So we, we focus on that. Those are big things. Plus, it's very cold up there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. You know, they focus on those kind of sports. You know, you got in the spring, you got baseball in the fall, you got basketball. So growing up, football wasn't really as popular as it is now. You know, I, I never won a game in high school. Really? But yeah, never won one. <laughs> but did you have fun? Uh, I always I, I enjoyed playing. You know, I always wanted to win. I'm super competitive, but I hated losing. I hate losing. I hate losing in anything I do. Yeah. But at the same time. It taught me how to win. Losing taught me everything I needed to know how to win, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, because I had those heartbreaks earlier on, I knew how to, you know, what I needed to do to be better. You know, I went to a a Catholic school, so we only had 18 players. Oh, wow. So you're playing offense and defense. I played, I played, I never came off the field. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I got to learn the game, like from every position, and I think that helped me in college, and I and I think that helped me through life. I think I'm a big proponent on kids playing sports. Uh-huh. You know, somebody at, uh, we were t- I had a conversation the other day about would would you put your force your kids to do sports? I'm like, you're not forcing your kids to do sports. First of all, no four, five, six, seven year old wants to go and play sports. They don't. They would rather play video games or you know. But what sports does is teach you social skills, mm-hmm. and it teaches it, 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 it exposes kids from different areas of life to one another. So you on a football team, you can have a guy that is, his parents are maybe doctors. They're very wealthy. They live in an affluent neighborhood, but you're still going to be on a team with somebody from the like a Section Eight housing, right? You know. If that kid never played, he would never understand that kid that lives in the Section 8 housing. He would never know what that kid's life is like. But that kid also wouldn't know what that other kid's life was like. You form bonds and friendships through sports that you would never do anywhere else because you're part of a team. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important thing about sports. And that's why I think it's extremely important for families and kids to to play sports at a very young age for anything else maybe they're not going to be good and by the time they get to high school they're going to want to quit but it's going to allow them to be exposed to different parts of life that they never would be exposed to because they're sheltered in their own little world sports makes you come out of your shell you when you're on a sports team you have to talk to one another so i think a a lot of the problems today is uh, you know kids aren't playing sports uh, Families aren't doing youth sports like they used to because either they don't have time or they just, oh, I'm not going to force my kid to do it. You're not forcing your kid to do it. You're actually helping them out. You know, nobody's getting hurt from it. They're getting they're getting athletically better. Their their coordination skills are getting better and they're learning how to talk. So I think that's the misconception of the of, about sports sometimes is like, 
I'm not going to force somebody to do it. I'm like, you're not forcing them. You're actually helping. Yeah, I've never really so, looked at it that way. You know, it's it's really more of, you know, kind of like you're saying, more of a social thing more than anything else. So, and I think I was just thinking, too, it does feel like youth sports, and maybe this is just because I'm older and, and I don't know, don't have as many young people in my life, but it does feel like youth sports have kind of taken a little bit of a backseat lately in terms just I think there's just so much other stuff to do. Yeah, you know, we're in the technology age, so it's instant information. And we like to, example, you go to any restaurant anywhere, you look around, everybody's on their phone. Oh, it's crazy. But you also look around, that little kid sitting in a high chair, what do the parents put in front of him to keep keep him or her quiet? Oh, yeah. Their, Their iPhone with a little movie on it. Yeah. The past They're two, in- the past two major league baseball games I've been to, uh, I was sitting in the row in back of a kid, a different kid each time who had an iPad and was looking at the iPad the entire game, and it drove me crazy. Like it was just so, it was so insane to me. This kid sitting at a baseball game with his parents was just like playing a game on the iPad. It was nuts. It, it it's the craziest thing. Like I, you know, I because. I'm one of those people that like observe things and like look around because my job is people mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally my, it is reading people and learning what they like and dislike. And I look around and I'll like walk into a restaurant, everybody's on their phone and not engaging each other. They're engaging. And I'm like, is it really that important? Like, and then we use, so the information age has forced us inward instead of outward, even though that our information's out there. It's our information representing us, except besides us. We're not representing ourselves. We're just representing what we're typing. And then we go back to being introvert when it comes to think about how many times we actually call each other on the phone. Yeah. Everything's a text. Oh, if my Business phone rings, I panic. I'm like, what's wrong? Yeah, it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, I, Who is this? What is it doing? What yeah. is it? No, no, no. Throw it against I, like, the wall. Throw, yeah, exactly. Throw it away. Yeah. So. You know, those are the things that cause youth sports to be a little bit slower than they used to be. You know, but I'm going to tell you, youth sports helped me through everything I've done in life. You know, if I if I never my life would be totally different if I never played, you know, uh, I football and sports helped me become who I am today. You know, yeah. Are you going to are you going to have kids? Yeah, I've always like one of the. What, one of my hangups coming out and I didn't want to be gay was I thought the, the possibility of me having children wasn't wasn't possible. But, you know, I'm with a, my fiance also wants children and we want to be dads. Yeah. So, you know, and I and I had I grew up with a great father and I grew up with a great mother. And, you know, they're also great grandparents. And I, I, I come from a very close family. So I want to give the same opportunities that I had to my my son or daughter you know those are those are the things that i want to do and i've always wanted to do it i've always wanted to be a dad so yes i i I do um there's other people that don't and i totally understand that but i've had friends tell me uh we're not having kids and then the next thing you know they're already on their like third yeah right remember remember when you said you weren't (laughs) having kids well now they got a whole brood yeah i'm like i'm like you have three of them now. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I remember you telling me we're not having kids. We're focusing on our careers. I was like, great. Well, so much for that. Yeah. What what sports are they going to play? <laughs> exactly. Oh, my my kids. Yeah. Well, I joke. I joke. I I, I was like, I'm going to have them in uh, the Peyton Manning quarterback camp at the age of three. You know. <laughs> Morgan Morgan's like, well, what if they don't want to play? What if they don't want to play football? I'm like, well, they could tell me when they're 18 and out of the house. Yeah. Uh, wait, <laughs> wait. So does he, does your fiance differ from you on the playing sports thing? My, my fiance is a total polar opposite from me. Never played sports. Uh, he was in band. Uh, cool. <laughs> we are polar opposite people. So yes, he differs in sports because he, his parents never made him do it. They were like, but his, our social activity is totally different he's quiet introvert his degrees in computers his best friend is a computer <laughs> like yeah like like so he doesn't understand like he i got him watching football now like does he before, like it 
he does now. He does get it now. Like this year, he's playing in fantasy football. He's like, really oh, you know. But it, it comes over time, and and I will say, relationships affect things. Like when you're in a relationship, you kind of do what your spouse does. You know, even if you don't want to. If your spouse like, if your spouse likes sports, you know, you're gonna like support the sports, but you're also gonna do something they like. To do. Are you like playing computer games for him? Uh, I've tried his virtual reality set. It's pretty cool, but I. It's funny. So when we when I was young, we weren't a, we weren't allowed video game time. We, we had to play outside first. What a novel you know, idea! You know, it was my 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 mom was big on us using our imagination and playing outside because she grew up in downtown where there was we she didn't ever had a yard. She was, you know not she didn't have space. I grew up where we had acres of land where we could play, mm-hmm. and she's like, go outside and play. You have a yard. Trust me. <laughs> so they would force us to go outside and play and do things outside, you know. So I was never a video game guy. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm very competitive, and he wins all the time. <laughs> and I, now we're getting to the root of it. Uh, and I hate losing, and like I just feel like he cheats. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I was never a video game person. I, I, I'm still not like. But we're in the generation now where a lot of kids are video game people and not sports people. You know, they're, they were they were Call of Duty people, you know, like yeah. the, uh, the wrestling video games. You know, those were the games they played. They didn't play sports. I, I, it, that's hell. You know, when we start talking about wrestling, that's one of the problems in wrestling right now, I say. You know, a lot of these kids were never in a locker room. A lot, a lot of the they they were all they were all video game guys. Yeah, you know they don't understand locker rooms. Hmm. Like I I always say like locker rooms are very different. Things that are said in locker rooms aren't said in public. It is a very private place. You know, like things that you would say there you should never say in public, and they're pretty much illegal in like seventeen. <laughs> right. But but that's sports, you know, and, and it, nothing is done maliciously and it's not done in ill intent. It's just, you know, a group of girls or a group of guys, you know, these are your family. These are your friends, you know, so you, you guys tend to bust balls and you make fun of each other and you play pranks and you do things because you're bonding. You're with each other all the time, you know, but when you go into situations where people have never been in the locker room and you kind of have the, the locker room mentality and they don't. They're, they're very separate. You know, they're not uh-huh. a team. They don't really work together very well because it's their, it's always been them in a video game. It's always been them in the house by themselves. It's always just been them. Yeah. So working together is very a hard concept. You know, they understand it. They know what it is. But physically, they've never been made to do it. So now when they have to do it, things hurt their feelings when people do stuff. Or why is this guy getting this? Or why is that? Teams are different. You know, I was an offensive lineman. So I'm used to everybody being like, did you see how great the quarterback and running back and the receivers were? I'm like, yeah, did you see anybody tackle them today? No. <laughs> no, you didn't. No. That's why they were able to do that. That You know, th- those guys up front, yeah, they did a hell of a job. You want to talk about them? No. No. Don't want to talk? No. Nobody's talking to us today? Nobody yeah. wants to? No reporter? Cool. We'll, <laughs> we'll just go to the locker room. We'll wait. We'll just over here you're used to right. being the unheralded star <laughs> exactly but if you're not ever part of a team and you go into a different situation where it is a teamwork and, and you have to understand different roles that people play it's hard it's, it's really hard for them to get that because they've been the center of attention of their family's life the whole time it's like being a uh i always like say it's like they're a giant single children you know they've never had to be near anybody yeah so when, when people challenge their idea or anything like that you know where in a team situation ideas are challenged all the time and when they're when you don't have that situation they lose their shit like it's a very hard thing to for them to deal with because they're used to getting whatever they want and we're in a generation where that's happening in a lot of things that's happening in even in sports now you know because you know you, you you have lebron like everybody calling him goat. I'm like, that guy's not goat. I go, Curry is more goat than LeBron James. Is he an amazing player? Yes. Is Durant an amazing player? Yes. They aren't goat. They aren't 
they aren't a Michael Jordan. They aren't a Kobe Bryant. They are guys that just want to be famous. You know, the, there's a there's a difference. The uh, a basketball team was built around Stephon Curry, right? Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, they they built that team. They went and got Durant for him. They went. They 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 drafted Green. Like they went after these guys. LeBron hasn't been on a team and give him a chance because he's always been catered to. The the NBA even changed the rules for him to run with the basketball. <laughs> it, it, you know because he's such a dynamic player, but he is not. He is not a transcendent player. There's a difference. It's interesting and, that you talk so much about team stuff, but then here we are with you as just a solo wrestler, right? I mean, do you do you feel well, like when you're in the locker room with these guys that it is still kind of a team sport, or do you feel like it's very compartmentalized now? I think it's bec- – actually, I think it's changing. I think for many years, I think, um, you know, the product, WWE, did an amazing job of – controlling the market by making everybody an individual so you know i always joke uh, i always laugh about this one of the first things they tell you in pro wrestling is you don't talk about price or what you're getting paid or anything Mm -hmm. because it breeds jealousy and then you look around and then every day you hear so that would mean somebody playing with lebron james is super jealous of him that he's making 170 million dollars because everybody's contract in every other sport that you ever known is public knowledge. Right. You can Google anybody's pay from any job they do in the United States, but why in wrestling you can't talk about it? Hmm. Because they did an amazing job of convincing people not to do it so they could manipulate some of the market, which is brilliant business. It was a great strategy. But now we're back to the, I call it a, like a wrestling renaissance, right. where, you know, we're back to that early, that, that late 90s, early 2000s attitude feel uh, where, pe- where the guys are starting to be a team again, working together. That's why you're seeing companies like Evolve, uh, MLW, uh, Progress over in England. Yeah. You know, guys are, we're, we're traveling together. We're working together. We're a team again. So we're all working together instead of separately against each other to try to get to one goal. Because we're making the product better rather than, you know, one WWE controlling everything. Now it's a lot of the guys are working together. You, you, no, it, it's, it's different. So it, it, it takes a we're, we're talking again. We're working together. It isn't one guy's a superstar. We're all superstars. You know, if, if you think about it, the Attitude Era during wrestling had many people at the top. Mm hmm. If you go into the John Cena era, it was John Cena at the top. Prior to the Attitude Era, it was Hulk Hogan at the top. Very beneficial for a company because you're only paying one top guy. Right. Not very beneficial when you have to pay 13 top guys. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so for a business strategy, not great. For an entertainment value, for the fans, for growing the product, it's amazing. But for... uh, one company, it, it is very hard to do. But, you know, when you have companies like Disney now doing it with the mega movie, you know, like where you have the Avengers, where mm-hmm. 10 years ago that would never happen, that you could never have all those stars in a movie because you couldn't afford that budget. Yeah. So now now we're in that era where WWE is Disney now. So they can afford that budget. So now we're back to that era where we're... we're that's why wrestling seems really hot and unique now. Plus, we're we're at a culture war politically, so wrestling mimics pol- what what's happening politically. So now we you have there's a lot of stories to the forefront that weren't talked about in times of non political strife. You know, Wait, happy like, times what, have what, happy people. What specifically are you talking about right now? You have Trump. Well, Everybody sure, but in, in terms of wrestling. With Trump is everything everybody is, it, it, he's he's polarizing. So everybody seems like, let's set the world on fire kind of like thing. Sure. That is very, and if you go to wrestling, hardcore is back. Hardcore wrestling is back. And it's back strong. You have, you have more unique characters saying what they're thinking rather than the, 
the politically correct things to say. Mm-hmm. You know, for the past 10 years, you had the very, what everybody was calling the PG era. You know, yeah. very nice, very, very, everything was very planned and nice and streamlined. Now you're having move, even movies like Deadpool being number one movie. And it's just swearing and all that. That's what people want right now. People want to see the violence. They want to like. They want to be part of the show again. They want to. They want to yell. They want to scream. They want to cheer. They want to drink their beer. They want to see controversy. That's what they want to see. They don't want happiness anymore. They don't want Superman coming down. They they like villains. You know. They yeah. want the Stone Cold Steve Austin back. Yeah. You, you know. They 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 want it because wrestling's very cyclic. It it, it goes in cycles. You know, we're going to get to an era again where we have one good guy. We have Superman is back. You know, you think so? You they, think it's going to evolve like that? Like we're going to go back to there's just one guy. We, at the we, top? we, 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 we always do. We, we, it, it's, it's done it for a hundred, uh, over a hundred years because wrestling mimics what's happening in society. It, it, so whatever society's doing, that's what wrestling does, but all entertainment does, you know, even sports mimic what's happening in society. You know, because that's 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 human nature. So, you know, you, you know, look at football. <laughs> you know, the biggest controversy is kneeling for the national anthem. Right. Which, if you think about it, that was only added into uh, after 9-11 was coming out for the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, doing the national anthem. Yeah. Prior to that, players never were on the field right. before the game. They were in the locker room before the game started, and then they came out after that was sung. Yeah. So we, we're making a big deal out of something that year up till not even till like set in the early two thousands we didn't even they didn't even do it in football. So you know, and some high school teams didn't even do it until two thousand ten. So you're like, you're, we're we're making a big deal about something because people want controversy. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, what they want. They, yeah. They're trying to make something because they just want to feel excited. They want to argue about something. Go go to Twitter every day. Twitter's hilarious. <laughs> like, it's that's it, what Twitter, one word for it. Well, it's because people. The the one thing about everybody is they want to feel important. They want to feel noticed. Yeah, that that's the number one thing about everybody. People love fame. They want to be famous. That like they just want to be. They want to be Kim Kardashian, you know, famous for nothing. And that that's that's the society we live in today. Is we we take celebrity over over good people because ninety five percent of us for some reason want to be famous. And I'm in a job that is based around fame. Yeah. And so you know, it's like it's it's hypocritical of me talking about it because you know i am in a job about fame but you know but if you look at it with wrestling fans when they talk when we talk about hijacking a show you know if you watch like nxt or impact and stuff the smaller shows and the smarter fans start to hijack shows cheer for people that aren't in there or cheer overly loud for people that you know they shouldn't be cheering overly loud for because they're smarter fans and they want to they want to feel like they're part of the show. That's even so, that's even sort of filtered down to even just like WWE. You know, at, at the show last month when you know people are booing Roman Reigns out of the building. You know, I, I think it's there is this need for wrestling fans, and I think as wrestling fans in general sort of become smarter, maybe even on a more general level, they want to make it about themselves. You know, it's like that match that Roman had with Jinder Mahal, where the crowd is booing literally the entire time while the guys are doing a, a decent job. They just wanted to make some sort of point and make it about themselves. Mm-hmm. But it, it, and I will say this: it's not a new thing. It's it, it's happened all the time. But we're in a generation now where we have instant information. So we've let the the creation of Tough Enough allowed people behind the curtain. So when they talk about kayfabe and all that kind of stuff, kayfabe is dead. We're in an instant information age. Yeah. So, you know, Twitter, Twitter connects everybody. Instagram connects everybody. You know, so your words are out there. 
So fans now understand a lot more than they did 10 years ago. Yeah. So now they feel as though they, they know better, but, but that's every fan. It's, it's our, it's wrestling's version of Monday morning quarterbacking. Right. It's interesting. I've never really connected that before. Like you were just saying, sort of wrestling mimicking where things are culturally. I mean, you can see it. It's, it's so evident right now with the product just in WWE and then elsewhere as well. It really does sort of mimic how people are feeling on a daily basis. Yeah. You, you have, people want more entertainment. Uh, listen, I'm a huge fan of the attitude era. That was my favorite era of mm-hmm. wrestling. I, I, I just thought, even though there was a lot of sexist, homophobic, and a lot of terrible stuff that happened during that time, at least it started conversations. You know, they weren't being safe. They were doing things, like, they were safe in the ring, but they were doing things that weren't politically safe. They were taking chances, pushing the limit. That's where new ideas come from. I think a lot of that, too, was motivated by the fact that they were being challenged by WCW so hard, maybe. And I think maybe you see... in WWE oh. now, too, you know, because of this wrestling renaissance, these companies, you know, you look at, like, New Japan. I mean, I, I don't know that New Japan is ever going to really rival WWE in terms of, like, its spot at the top. But I think there's something there simmering, obviously, that they might be uh, a little afraid of and at least intrigued by. So I think maybe the product is reflecting that as well. I think competition just breeds creativity. Yeah, oh, I think competi- competition is the best. I think... I think without competition, it, everything feels stale because one person's in control. Right. So it, it, it is capitalism at its, at its pure form. Yeah, so let's... But let's yeah, no, do go I ahead. Think, I just want to talk about the New Japan thing. Yeah, please. WWE is Disney. They are not, they are not worried about anything else. Yeah. They, they just signed a billion-dollar Fox deal. <laughs> there is no way... Like, do they care? No, because at the end of the day, they can just turn and buy it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so, yeah, I but, mean, I, I agree. The, to, so when P, I, the, the thing that I hate now is like, you're not going to, I hate when companies try to go and say, we're competing with WWE. That's not who you should be competing with. Right. For sure. Disney doesn't compete with other people. They do not care what anybody's doing. They just go and buy it. Yeah, Pixar makes a good movie. They buy Pixar. You know that Fox Fox is doing something. They buy Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, so Disney WWE is like Disney when it comes to wrestling. They like something, they will buy it. So I hate when companies go and say we're competing. Like when TNA was like we're going to go head to head with WWE. No. Well, that Focus was the problem, work. right? I mean, that's just yeah. setting. You're just going to fail. I mean, you're not going to compete with the WWE. I think if you want to go out and you know, I think that was TNA's thing, and why you know, why it didn't work is the fact that they wanted to be WWE rather than trying to be something different. It's like if I'm starting a wrestling promotion now, the last thing I want to do is say, all right. We're going to be the new WWE. We're going to challenge what they're doing. We're going to be better than them. It's like you got to do your own thing. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think, and I think that's why WWE, uh, WCW did rival for a period of time. I don't think Eric Bischoff was like they're our main competition. I think he thought in his head, we're we are our own brand, and that made WWE compete with that. You know, you need to in anything is like, especially as a player. Create your own brand. Make them make yourself indispensable. Then people are competing against you. You're not competing against them. Yeah. You know, so it what because if you look back, every I always hated people like crapped all over TNA. And I'm like, look at all the people in WWE now that are their stars. They're all TNA people. Yeah. TNA had an amazing show with an amazing product. It's just they wanted that they made a lot of mistakes you know, business-wise, not wrestling-wise, just business-wise, and, and investments and stuff they wanted to do. You know, they, they wanted to get bigger faster than they needed to be. You know, people forget WWE was built over 70 years, 60 right. years. Right. You know, they, it, it wasn't built in 10 or 12. You know, the first 12 years of the company was pretty much going under. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people forget that. Like, billion-dollar... Amazon started selling books out of his garage. Yeah. 
you know, now they own that. Now they're a major. They own the world, basically. Exactly. But think about that. That guy sold everything he had, the Bezos, and mortgaged his house, did everything because he believed that you could buy books online and libraries wouldn't work. Yeah. So he was he would just buy books and sell them online. And now look at him today. Yeah. He has a drone warehouses. <laughs> so he has things that we don't even know about and probably don't want to know about. But but that's what I'm saying. It's like he didn't look at himself as competing. He looked at himself as I'm creating a vision. So I think a lot of companies need to look at it that way, like a New Japan, uh, MLW, um, even TNA Impact. Um, you know, companies like that and evolve. Look at yourself as the vision rather than we're competing with. Right. Because when you when you when you focus on your vision, you have a better chance to succeed than focusing on somebody else's vision. Because TNA tried to create themselves into WWE's vision, you already lost. When WCW started creating themselves into WWE's vision, WWE won. So when you're taking somebody else's vision, that you that 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 your competition already won because you're just taking their idea. But if you have your own vision, your own idea, and you go forward with it and have your own fan base like ECW, right? you know, there's two things that are going to happen. You're going to succeed or somebody's going to buy you, but either way, you win. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, like, it's such an exciting time for professional wrestling. I mean, I watch so much wrestling, and I am never caught up. Like, I am always missing stuff. There's always shows. There's always stuff happening that I want to be watching. I want to be paying attention to, but it's so hard. And I just hope that that continues but in in a positive way you know i i hope that these these sort of indie shows and sort of smaller companies are able to thrive rather than always being like well how are you competing against wwe what are you doing here what's this what's that i hope that like this sort of renaissance of just excitement about professional wrestling can continue and just get bigger and bigger you know uh last night we had our tv tapings for mlw and I was sitting there with uh, MJF and um, uh, Jimmy Uta and a few other guys. And we were watching Shane Strickland come out. And we remember when we did our first show at One Shot, Shane, well, Shane didn't get a really reaction. Uh-huh. Ricochet did, but Shane really didn't. All of a sudden, I watched the, the whole fan standing up singing Shane Strickland's entrance song. Uh-huh. And then I thought to myself, this is what wrestling is. Yeah. You work hard and earn their respect. You create the fan base that is loyal to you. It's the best. And that that's what's going to keep wrestling going right now. It's not just the wrestler. It's building the respect between the fan and the wrestler. We went through a period where we were disrespecting each other. So when, you, when we create the mutual respect between the fan... And, and the wrestler, you become this unique experience that it, it, you're bonded. You know, you, you, you become a, a supporter of the whole product. But we went through this whole period of time where the fan is stupid. They don't know what they're talking about. The, this wrestler is not good because he doesn't do this kind of move. Uh-huh. Now, fans are going back to, well, maybe I'm being way, way too critical now. Let, let, remember when it was fun? You remember right. what we had? Why we went to wrestling? You could sing, you could scream. Like I always say, pro wrestling is for everyone. It's not just for one person. It's for everyone because you can go to a show and have a grandmother in the front row next to an eight-year-old. Yeah, and they're both screaming their heads off. You can have the richest man in the world, who maybe is a billionaire, next to the poorest person in the world, still screaming their heads off. Yeah, because wrestling doesn't disc- discriminate. Well, I brought I brought my dad to an indie show downtown LA like last month, and watching him just enjoy. And my, I I grew up watching wrestling with my dad. My dad is sort of aware of what wrestling is, but he's not he's not a modern day sort of pro wrestling fan. But to bring him to that show and to watch it with him and to see the reactions on his face, I was like, oh, this is why this is so cool. You know, you get jaded a little bit because I watched so much of it. I'm like, ah, oh, that match was okay. But then I turned uh-huh. to, turn to my dad, and he's like, this is amazing. And you're like, oh, yeah, you forget that this is just, like, magic. And that's what I try to tell people. You might be a smart fan, but don't ruin the magic for the 8-year-old. 
Right. When you were talking about those fans booing, booing Roman Reigns, none of those fans that were doing that, those 17, 18, 19-year-olds, the older people that were booing, you're ruining that eight-year-old's experience. You're taking I know. that. I, you, nobody ever did that to you when you were a fan at eight years old. No adult in the thing was like, boo, boo, John Cena, boo. No, they weren't. You were, because John Cena got pop. His, they didn't start doing that until like 10 years at him at top. Yeah. You know, and that happens to everybody when you're 10 years on top. You yeah. become the villain because you're just so good. Yeah. And that's in any sport. Like Tom Brady's the villain right. because he's good. You know, Peyton Manning became the villain because he was good. You know, th- that happens on any sport. But nobody take, took that away from you when you were sitting in the front row with your John Cena hat, your John Cena armband, your John Cena shirt, and your, you made your parents spend over 150 bucks buying you John Cena stuff. You, you weren't in the audience being, they weren't booing him. But now their version of John Cena, you're making, you're booing him. You're taking that experience away from them. So now what we're going to have to deal with coming, like those situations make those kids not want to be wrestling fans anymore. Right. So now that that makes you, that older fan, you're not going to have wrestling like you liked before. Because now you, you, you made those kids not fans anymore. Because you took their memories away, because you wanted to be a cool fan, you wanted to you wanted to show that you know better than WWE. Yeah, no, right. no, you don't know better. They're not marketing to you, man. Yeah, they it's also not you. working. Obviously, like all yeah, these, they're all... not going to not do it because little kids love Roman Reigns. Yeah, I'm and like, little kids buy T-shirts. Good. And he's good. Why well, are you know. that's the, the guy thing that's too. good? I know. Like, I think people... Boo the guy that has no psychology that's just doing moves to moves. Like, boo that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but don't boo the guy that's telling a great story that actually cuts kind of cool promos and it has a really badass look and goes out there every night and performs for you. Don't boo that guy. I know. I boo feel the- bad for Roman a lot just because he's he busts his ass so hard all the time, and he's not doing anything wrong other than just, like, continuing to work hard and get main event spots, and I think that's why people are upset. They sort of feel like he's being forced down their throat, but it's like that the reaction that they're giving him, whatever, positive, negative, it's, it's a hell of a reaction, and at the end of the day, that's kind of what it's all about. You're, exactly. You're still getting a reaction. I'm like, because here's the thing. They are Roman Reigns fans. That's what they're deep down. They're Roman Reigns fans. Yeah. Because it, if you took them away, who are they going to boo? You know, <laughs> like who like they're they're doing those things because of that man. So, you know, he already has control of you. You, you already bought into the system. So WWE already knows that every wrestling wrestler knows that he's doing a hell of a job. He has you eating out of the palm of his hand. Like he's doing, he's do, he's one of the best magicians in the world, you know. Like so, let's. But like, I hate when fans do that because you know they, I, I just, just seeing young kids, you know, like even after the MLW show, the one of the things I like to do, even though I play more, uh, I'm more of a tweener at MLW because people enjoy cheering me uh-huh. because people are into big guys right now. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I'm all for it because we need more big men in wrestling. Um, but you know, taking time to talk to the fans outside, you know, especially children and asking them, did they enjoy the show? What did they like about it? Those are important things to me as, as a wrestler. One, I want to actually know, did they enjoy the show? Right. You know, because if they didn't, you know, we're not going to have a show. And also what can we do to make this kid want more? You know, why is he such a fan? And, and, you know, it, it, those those are things that are important to wrestling that we we forgot for a very long time that I see a lot of the independent shows now doing is like after the show the meet and greets those are important a lot like they used to not do the meet and greets because of this whole idea that it normalized wrestlers mm-hmm. it made them to the level of uh, of the fan which is totally false because that's like saying, 
you know, you went to a baseball game and they and you meet the baseball player before the thing. Did that normalize the baseball player to any fan? Right. All these misconceptions wrestling had prior because they're like, oh, they're going to really see how short or tall you are. I'm like, well, I've seen really short baseball players that are phenomenal and I've seen really tall baseball players that aren't. You know, it's all about your work and not your size. You know, we have this idea in wrestling, like, all these misconceptions that were brought over time that are changing now, especially with the social media era is like the fan interaction is different. You need to do these things now because the fan needs it. The fan needs to know, meet their superstar because in any other sport they get to meet their superstar. Yeah. Well, example, why was everybody pissed at LeBron James yesterday? Oh, yesterday he he didn't show up to the pizza joint. Yeah, because fans expect you to meet them now. Yeah. In in every sport. So, especially in wrestling, it's important because wrestling is a more, especially in an independent show, it's intimate. Right. It is, they they need to meet you. They, They just rode that emotion. And then if they don't get to meet you, they don't get to form that connection they need to form. Because... After the show, they want to meet you because they're forming connection, a bond that now they're going to come back and root for you or cheer for you or boo for you. But they now form that connection because you said hello. Yeah. That you took the time to make them feel important, that their money, that their cheering helped you or their booing helped you. That's important. I think a lot of wrestlers forget that these days is like, you know, don't be too good to do that. Like. My my favorite guy is Matt Riddle. Yep. Because Matt Riddle takes... It's not what he does in the ring, because it, what he does in the ring is actually amazing. Uh, he's the modern-day RVD. Yeah, um, he's amazing. Yeah, he, he his charisma level is crazy. And I'm not just saying this because he's like one of my good friends. I'm saying this because I watch. And I watch him sit every show. When it's time to leave and they're still in line, he still talks to every single fan. He takes time to take a picture with every single fan. He doesn't pack up his stuff. He doesn't leave when he's tired because normally it's right after his match because he's usually the main event and his matches go long. And you can see he's physically tired because we go to show to show and don't get much sleep. And I know he's tired because I was with him the night before. And he just stays there, hugs, takes pictures, takes the time to talk. And I said, that's what makes him special. That, that, that is what makes wrestlers special. When people take the time to do that, that is more important to me as a wrestler than anything else. Because now those fans, no matter what, anytime Matt comes to town, I guarantee you, they will find a way to get to that show. Oh, totally. I mean, I think those bonds are so important. It's like, I, I think back to like going to PWG shows in LA and like when guys would come out at intermission, like I remember once like Ricochet wrestled in the first half of the show and then came out and I was like, Oh my God, like there's the superhero. Like there he is. Like I have to meet him. And so I did. And like, you know, bought a shirt and like chatted with him for a little bit. And like, it just made me love him even more, you know, and made me want to support him. It made me want to watch more of his matches and made me want to come every time he was wrestling. I think those relationships are vitally important. Yeah, and, and, and I and that's that's why I say I try to tell young wrestlers, do that. Go out and talk to people. You still could be in character. You could still be that. They don't care whether you're a character. They just want to meet you. It's almost better if, like, there's some heel and you meet him and he, like, makes fun of you. It's amazing. It's yeah. like a badge of honor. It's like, oh, yes, he, like, roasted me just like I want. It's like if, like, a, like a comedian sort of... I don't know, like Don Rickles or something. If you were to meet Don Rickles and he made fun of you, you're like, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like because they're part of the show and you you are helping. That helps the business. And, and I think I think independents now are, are starting to learn that more is like and I think that's what's helping the what I call the renaissance is that that the connection, the fan connection is like the banters on Twitter the you know uh you know who was brilliant with banters on twitter kevin owens 
Oh but yeah, his Twitter account is bro. legendary. Well, his his whole character is he's a Twitter troll. Yeah, like it's literally amazing. that's his character. He's he just trolls people, and I like I think it's brilliant. I think it's one of the the greatest. I think he's one of the hardest workers in the company. Like he, he can do comedy, he can be serious, he can do anything, and it's like. And then he gets out to the ring and is one of the best in the world there too. Exactly, and so like. That's what makes – when you can hit on every one of those levels, that's what makes you a superstar. And I think increasingly so you have to do that stuff, you know? I mean, you can't not – I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm sure there are some people in WWE who aren't on social media, but, like, feuds start there now all the time. You know, it's like it, it, you have to be this all-encompassing persona. It, 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 like – well, everybody in WWE does have a social media page because they, there's, there's a social media director. But right. independents don't have a social media director. They don't have they don't have people monitoring your Twitter and stuff like that. But in hindsight, I will say this, and this is advice that I would give anybody. Be careful what you put on Twitter. If you, you know, you can banter back and forth, but remember... There's a chance you'll never become get to WWE. Okay, that that's the first. So you're gonna have to get go do a normal nine to five job. You, that's out on Twitter. Yeah. You, it's very hard to explain to the person you're interviewing with that. Oh, that was just me in character. I was just working. <laughs> well, the the boss, the the guy hiring you goes, well, you're not gonna be working here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> because you can't say those things so that was <laughs> because you, a normal person wouldn't understand yeah especially if they're not a wrestling fan um and it's even even when you are wrestling fans a lot of stuff that's out there people get fired for because you know you have to be aware of what you put out on social media so i always say that like what you just said is like feud start on social media i do see guys guys and girls going a little too far with it you have to remember there is a social quorum that you have to abide by. You know, I do understand that you want it's freedom of speech, but freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequence. Yeah, it's like you're in a and, job interview in three years and somebody's like, why did you tell this other guy that you wanted to break his neck? What is happening? <laughs> well, even that is like, like, like even that, but like just saying stuff that's off, off like an off color joke. Sure. You know, yeah. you don't, you don't. You, you just be careful, you know, I'm not saying not to do sort of things, but just understand what you put out on social media, you know, like I don't do my Twitter in character because, you know, my, the, my story that came out, I, 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 I really do believe athletes should use their, their stardom for a positive influence on society. I really do believe that, you know, with charity work and stuff like that, because, you know, it's one thing playing a sport, but if you have the opportunity to help somebody, I think you should do it. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody does, but that's just me. It's the way I was raised. Uh, you know, if you have the opportunity to help somebody, I, I would, I would tell an athlete to do it. You know, you, you can, and a lot of WWE athletes do, you know, you have Finn, Finn took up, you know, being an ally. Yeah, um, and and like I told people before, they're like, "Well, how, how do you feel about that?" And I was like, first of all, I'm friends with him. Second of all, I think he can do something that I can't as a gay athlete, mm -hmm. because allies are way more important in sports than actually being the open gay athlete. Because showing that you're proud to be next to a gay man or a a, a, a gay woman or anybody by or queer or all that the, the the labels out there allows people to understand it's okay you can be friends with somebody that's gay it's not going to make you gay you know well, <laughs> that's yeah. not what makes you gay and you know that's important and we need more of that in sports so so that that's what i tell people about finn is like you have no idea how important that was because what he did at wrestlemania that five, six, seven-year-old that watched that, that loves Finn Balor, 10 years from now when his friend or her friend come out to them, they're okay with it because their favorite wrestler 
is okay with it. All right, guys, there you go. Part one of my interview with Mike Caro. Like I said, if you're not a wrestling fan, I hope you still got something out of it. I mean, wrestling really, just as much as any sport, is on the forefront of cultural change right now. And it's a really fascinating thing. And Mike himself is right there on the front line. So thank you very much for listening. Part two will come out later this week. We'll continue to talk about wrestling. We'll talk about Mike getting married. We'll talk about a whole lot of stuff. But until then, thank you very much for listening. I'm Daniel Trainer. This is Same Team signing off. Thank you.